0: Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm gonna get that gun of mine, and I'm gonna change you from a rooster to a hen with one
1: shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't
2: believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels.
3: You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in your eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket.
2: Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off, does someone want to just tell me to my face you're never going to give me the scores I deserve?
0: Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Girls on Film. Thanks for joining us. This episode was recorded in front of a live audience at home in Manchester and includes two interviews with directors that were recorded on location. Enjoy. I am very pleased to welcome my first guest today. She is Rihanna Dylan, film critic for BBC Six Music, among many other illustrious things. Rihanna, please join us. And our second guest is Jane Crowther, who is the editor-in-chief of Total Film Magazine. Jane, welcome. I had a quick question for you both, just to start off with. I was wondering, what's your favourite film set in Manchester? Rihanna? Oh god, it's so um cheesy,
1: but I, I just loved it, and it's the parole officer. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I'd forgotten oh, that I even yeah, existed.
0: No, I, it was such a guilty pleasure. Right? Yeah, guilty yeah. pleasure. Has anyone here seen the parole officer?
1: We have getting some nods one. here. <laughs> maybe two.
0: Maybe two. It's like
1: half set in Blackpool, half in Manchester. So all I right, think
0: that counts. nice
4: one. Yeah, yeah. Jane. My favourite film that's set here is Charlie Bubbles, the classic Albert Finney film that's with Liza Minnelli driving around Salford in sort of 67, um, looking at all of the derelict buildings and going to the Manchester United football match. It's, It's really evocative of a certain time. Brilliant. Love it. That's
1: a much
0: cooler answer than mine. <laughs> that is a oh cool my choice. God. <laughs> so we're going to talk about current releases. Um, there's some things we'd like to recommend or not recommend. We will see. The first one is Madeline's Madeline. This is a film from an American director called Josephine Decker. She is largely known for her experimental female focused fare. There's a retrospective of her work coming up uh, on MUBI. It's a largely improvised piece about a young girl called Madeline played by the brilliant Helena Howard. She joins a New York theatre troupe run by a character called Evangeline, played by Molly Parker. I don't know if you remember her, she's a great actress also. Touches on a lot of things, mental health, race, the ethics of personal performance art so i spoke to uh, josephine decker the director at london film festival where it showed last year and we're going to play the full interview in the podcast but meantime i thought we could listen to a little clip here um just to let you know that i spoke to her in a busy street outside the bfi south bank but she was wonderful let's have a listen
4: what you are experiencing is just a metaphor the emotions
0: you are having are not your own. Welcome to Girls on Film. Thanks for having and me. Congratulations on Madeline's Madeline. Thanks. For those who haven't seen it, could you explain the premise or the setup? <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's actually a tall order with a film like yeah, this, it isn't is. it? <laughs> it's um, So it follows a 16-year-old biracial woman, Madeline, as she's part of this theater troupe that's devising work. She has a kind of chaotic relationship with her mom who's a bit in some ways emotionally abusive and then I think feels like she has the solace in this theater troupe and as the theater director and her are bonding the theater director more and more wants to create work out of Madeline's real life and so this question I think of the film becomes who gets to tell whose story and what does it mean to tell your own story. But you know, I always feel like when I describe the film like that, I'm leaving out something very magical which is that the film is like a poem and it's sort of mm. like a love story to the people who made the film with me and a and to the process of of this particular film and how it was birthed. Well let's talk a bit about that process yeah. because it's sort of woven into the fabric of the film in a way, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So
0: I mean can you explain you did some workshopping with the actors for quite some time, is that right? Yeah so
2: we I met Helena Howard I knew I wanted to develop something so She's devised. your young star She is incredible She's amazing And I met her uh, in the spring of 2014 and knew I met her at a teen arts festival and was just like she her performance was so kind of jaw dropping that I knew I needed to make something with her and I always knew she would be the center but I didn't know really anything but that and I knew I just wanted to develop work with a group of actors and that it would touch on mental illness and family dynamics and so we met one weekend a month for officially it was like seven months but they were spread out over eight months and i think over the course of making of that process which was not just a process of devising and creating but also talking about our process and having check-ins where the actors were able to kind of say where they're at and share meaningfully what they were going through just in in terms of what was their experience of being in the room working on this film and i think The dynamics, the power dynamics that I realized were there that I hadn't realized were there. Um, And also just the questions that were emerging from the actors themselves became so fascinating and the conversations we were having were so growth oriented for me. And I was like, who's having these conversations And, and shouldn't we as a larger artistic community be asking ourselves these questions about how do artists work with other artists, how do we treat the artists that we collaborate with, how do we pay them, what does the pay structure reveal about our biases, or, and, how, and if you can't pay people, who are the people you can work with? Mm-hmm. Are you having diversity in the room? It was just so much, so many things got exploded open, in my little idealistic attempt to make a devised work piece that I, I just realized that I needed to make a film about the process of making this film in some ways. And I was also struggling with a, a very someone very close to me who had mental illness and was hospitalized for it at the time. So I really wanted to um, uh, look at that more deeply. So it was kind of, that became the movie. I've never seen mental health explored in such an intimate
0: way, I think. On, oh, on interesting. Film. Yeah, it felt like the audience was almost sort of involved in the process, perhaps because of the way that you worked yeah. there. Um, what I'd like to talk about as well as the rest of your cast, because Miranda July is just amazing and perfect in this as the mother,
2: and then you have Molly Parker as the... She's the yeah, theater director. Theater director, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting, but just to touch on your previous comment about the, um, the intimacy of the mental illness, I think a lot of that is the camera. We had a great... Our DP, Ashley Connor was involved in this whole rehearsal process, And she and I talked a lot about that kind of, like, the, that kind of stepping into another way of seeing that happens when you're performing, but that also happens when you are maybe divorced from your own sense of reality, which was a little bit the sort of the type of mental illness we were looking at was depersonalization. You know, what does it mean to not feel like yourself? Or, like, you can't connect to the reality that's in front of you. So, um, but, you know, Molly and Miranda, my gosh, they're such a dreamy, dreamy woman. Like, Miranda is just, like this glowing orb of, well, I was going to say strange, I thought <laughs> she thinks of that as a compliment because I mean it as a compliment. She's so smart. She thinks of things so quickly and her background is so different than Molly's in that she she comes from a performance art background. She's mostly been in her own performances, not necessarily acting in a bunch of other people's TV shows like, like Molly has. And it was really interesting because she came to acting in a way that is probably closer to the way that I've, in my own acting experience, come to it, because I don't have any other... I don't, I'm not really an actor, so I come to it with just, just the, like, totally throw yourself into it. So it's really exciting, because for both Miranda and probably for Helena, I think they went really deep. I think they really fell into the characters and were doing things that were really... Um, not what they necessarily expected to do in those moments, but they were very much like becoming those people and so it was it was exciting to see that transformation occur. And-
0: I think that's one of the things that makes the film so gripping because you just don't know which way either of them is going to turn. They play quite unpredictable characters. Yes. And I found it almost uncomfortable in a good way to watch oh, because good. I was so scared about what they might do, you know? Yes. Um, so I think that's testament to, to your work and to theirs, you know, that that, yeah. that sensation. What about working with women behind the camera? You mentioned you've got a female GOP. Do you make a point of working with other women and a diverse
2: crew generally? I do. I mean, I try to. And, and on this movie, we were... It was amazing. We had two female producers, two female co-producers. We had a female production designer, a female costume designer, a female DP. Gosh, I mean, the only department that wasn't headed by a woman was our uh, lighting. Department. Right. Okay, so that's pretty good score yeah, there. That's well kinda done. crazy. And our editor, <laughs> our editor was a man. Yeah. But like, Great. Yeah, but you need. I mean, and I think balance is important too. But mm-hmm. it was a really special thing. I think that's part of what makes the movie stand out in some ways. Is that it was a very deep. Feast of woman magic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it does feel feminine in the best yeah. possible way. Yeah, in a very warm way. Um, talk to me about what you're up to next. Well, I'm so right now. I'm editing this new feature Shirley, which is about Shirley Jackson that I just shot this summer in the states. So we're editing. We'll probably be editing for another like couple months, <laughs> and then tr- eventually finish the film. And then who's starring in that? Uh, Elizabeth Moss and Michael Stuhlbarg are the yeah leads they're so so good oh, they're just wonderful actors yeah and then and then truthfully this spring i don't know i'm, I'm i have a, a script i'm in love with that i really want to make um i also I'm, would really love to write a tv show so i'm trying to like get some time to do that
0: well i hope you do because we love your work well thank you and so much and i thoroughly enjoyed the film I'd had all the listeners to go see it and uh, thank you again thank you again yes so sweet of you <laughs> You are not
4: You are inside the
0: cat. So that was Josephine Decker, um, very meta film in a way, talking a lot about the process while showing the process. I personally thought it was a wonderfully unpredictable, kind of non-judgmental exploration of the dynamic between three very different women. So there's the mother, there's the daughter, and then there's the theatre director. Rihanna, did you think that worked? I really loved that it was experimental
1: and took risks and the trouble is about taking risks they obviously don't always pay off and I don't think it always paid off but it's a brave film and it's really weird like it is really weird to watch and you know quite difficult it's it's very sort of as you saw a little bit of there it's I guess it's more of a mood film it's it's quite visually it kind of dips in and out of focus all the time. And so you're kind of constantly a little bit woozy in the same way that I think Madeline is also a little bit sort of never quite sure where she is. Um, There are so many layers to it, which I really liked. I found the blurring of the lines between this mother and then this sort of drama teacher, really interesting because you, there was sort of like this maternal connection between the teacher and Madeline. But then with the mother, there was this kind of anger between them. Also, I don't know if either of you picked up on this. It almost got a little bit inappropriately sexual in some points, I thought. you know, We see like a. There's like moments where they're watching. Um, yeah, the porn scene. The, the porn yeah. scene, but also she's pretending to be a cat right at the beginning of the film and the mother's sort of stroking her very sensually.
0: And it's, yeah, it's very interesting because at the beginning you don't know the relationship between yeah. the two people you're watching. You don't know actually if they're lovers. Yeah. But it turns out they're a mother and daughter. So that really wrong-foots you in a very, very challenging way. I mean, Jane, I thought the porn scene was one of the most interesting ones and funny. Would you like to explain a little bit without spoiling it?
4: Yeah, I mean, Madeline's father is absent, we know that, and he has this den downstairs that's full of dirty pictures and porn, and she's a very sort of um, abrasive teenager. She sort of doesn't want to um, toe the line or do anything that's predictable, so she takes a group of young boys downstairs and has a little spin through Dad's porn collection, which Mum comes in and discovers, and that Actually, it's one of the funniest moments in the film. It's, it's not a funny film, but that is quite funny, that sort of mortification of being caught by your mum like the worst watching porn. It? Yeah. But it's also the mum's reaction to it is, is so sort of she doesn't know what to do with it. And that's sort of representative of her throughout the film. She just doesn't know what to do with Madeline. And that's what makes her so sort of engaging to watch and so interesting that she, we don't know what she's going to do next and neither does her mother.
0: I think it's worth saying that Miranda July plays the mother, Um, I'm a big fan of Miranda July's work, she's a director performance artist, The Future is one of the great films Mm. that she did and also Me and You and Everyone We Know. She's playing very much against type here, she's usually very sort of strong and she's the sort of artistic sort of
4: fiery character usually and she's playing quite meek here and that's really quite interesting to watch her do that.
0: I feel like it's a Miranda July kind of film. If you like those films, yeah. I mean, because I've met actually some male critics. One actually said to me once, "Oh, I thought you'd be a Miranda July fan." (laughs) So, was that a compliment or an insight? Don't think it was a compliment. (laughs) But I am a fan of her films, and you know, I understand she she's she's very very arty, and it can be a bit Mm. grating. But I think she does such interesting things, like Josephine Decker does, Mm -hmm. with Mm. her filmmaking, and raises such fascinating questions, and really runs with it and opens, as you were saying Rihanna, uncomfortable questions up. I mean Rihanna, who would you recommend this film to? Well, I suppose if you like films that challenge you, if you
1: like films that you haven't necessarily seen the content of before, and like you were saying, it is very unpredictable. Mm. Um, and the performances are excellent, actually, because at any given point, you don't know whether you like or dislike the protagonist, who is the antagonist. And again, you know, that's really unusual for this kind of film. And I'm, I really love that female filmmakers have been given the space to try
0: these sorts of films out. So Madeline's Madeline is out on May 10th at venues around the UK, including home. There's a Q&A with Josephine Decker here soon and it's also streaming on the platform Movie. so there's a recommendation for you. Now another current release um, we want to talk about something we thought some of you might have seen, Us.
4: They look exactly like us. They think like us. They know where we are. We need to move and keep moving. They won't stop until they kill us. And <laughs> we kill them. <laughs>
0: So this, of course, is uh, Jordan Peele's uh, follow-up to Get Out. We won't give too much away, but I think it's interesting to discuss a film that's been out there and that a few of us have seen. And what an interesting film it is, mm-hmm. don't you think? I mean, it stars Lupita Youngo and Winston Duke as a couple confronted by their doppelgangers while on a beach holiday. It's ostensibly a horror film, but it's so much more. I don't know about you, when I first saw it, I was staying awake at night thinking, you know, okay, the themes. Identity, class, privilege, politics. Race, community, religion, competitiveness. Anyone like to add to that? There's probably about 10 more. I think you covered most yeah, of yeah. them. Yeah, I've done quite well. Yeah, yes. Rihanna, how amazing is Lou Peter though in this film? Oh,
1: it was so brilliant to see her being given that chance to sort of have her own film and shine and obviously not just one part but two in it as herself and the doppelganger. Very different roles as well. So, really interesting seeing her being confronted. With herself, um, we've all often seen her in the supporting role, and it was—I mean, Winston Duke, also a big fan of him, but it was—it was nice to see him sort of take the supporting role and her to take centre stage in this. I mean, she is fascinating and just so watchable, in the same way that uh, Jordan Peele was so brilliant at, at getting that Daniel Kaluuya face kind of imprinted on mm. our brains from Get Out. Um, I don't think this is. As effective,
0: just what you don't think the film is as good as Get Out, or that moment isn't as effective? Both, but I think Lupita is. Um, she's you could just just
1: take that that image of her face and it tells you so so much.
0: And to have, um, you know, an African American woman in, in, in this context as the star and for it not to be particularly commented on is perhaps aggressive. Well, she's
4: also broken glass ceilings just by that because it's, um, the. Biggest grossing opening weekend for a movie with a lead that's a a black woman, so she's she's doing it for the girls right there. Mm. But yeah, the fact that they're black isn't at all commented on. It it just is, and that's really fantastic that we're actually just seeing that. What's more, sort of. The theme for me is more about the haves and have-nots in the world and mm-hmm. from a sort of feminist point of view you can read it that you know it doesn't matter where you're born the doppelganger is born in a very different place to mm-hmm. adelaide that she still deserves the same things as adelaide does and she is capable of the same things but it's circumstance that prevents her mm-hmm. from achieving her very best and that's something i think we can all relate to whatever Section of society, we all feel that.
0: I think it's sort of tackling prejudice in a way, um, but it's not ramming its message home. Mm. There's so much you could take from it, don't you think?
1: Yeah, I think Jordan Peele is very, very good at sort of letting um, ideas kind of float out there, and you being able to take away exactly what you want from it. And it was only sort of uh, because when you first, when I first watched it, I. I was looking at it very much as a horror film and sort of thinking about the tropes of horror. So, mm-hmm. you know, the idea that, you know, the black guy dies first and that sort yeah. of thing. And and the idea of the final girl who is a, you know, white, blonde, virgin. Yeah. And to have all of that turned on its head uh, is really interesting and really refreshing. So that's kind of what I—it was my immediate response. And then, what's so brilliant is that, yeah, you go away and then you think about that whole list of other things that you just mentioned. It's so, such a good film to go down to the pub afterwards and mm. chat about because everyone has a different perspective. Yes, yeah. and yeah. everyone has, everyone sees different things in it, and everyone thinks that the ending is different. And that's really unusual. Uh, so to be given s- so many choices with one film, I think is just—you know—that's like a film lover's dream. Yeah.
0: Well, if it's a bit too scary for you, us, and you want to check out <laughs> Jordan Peele's... Yeah, it is terrifying. Um, Jordan Peele's back catalogue. Um, may I recommend some light-hearted additional viewing? And that is Keanu. Yes. Have you seen Keanu? Yes, with the cat. So this is Keanu Peele, is a comedy duo. <laughs> and the story revolves around Keanu, who's actually a gangster's kitty but falls into their care. And these are two basically kind of suburban nerdy guys. Yeah. And they have to pose as gangsters to get back the kitten. And it, it, again, I mean, in a very silly stoner comedy kind of way, it does likely address some of the same issues, which is cultural prejudice and imagining that just because someone comes from a certain background that they must behave a certain way. I love the way that one is absolutely obsessed with George Michael. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Who absolutely <is> <laughs> obsessed with George Michael. So it's yeah, it, you know, if if you you know had a few drinks and fancy watching something not scary involving Jordan Peele, may I recommend Keanu? <laughs> now moving on to a very different film, and that is H. Grade. It's a coming-of-age story about a 13-year-old girl. She's trying to make it through the last week of middle school. She's played by Golden Globe-nominated Elsie Fisher. Fantastic performance. It's written and directed by a comedian called Bo Burnham, who found fame on YouTube. I liked this film so much, I decided to make an exception and have a male guest on Girls on Film. (gasps) What? So I interviewed the director and the writer Beau Burnham at Glasgow Film Festival in a hotel bar. Once again, it will be played in full for the listeners at home, but let's have a listen to a clip here.
2: Hey guys, uh, it's Kayla back with another video. So, the topic of today's video is being yourself. Being yourself can be hard. And it's like, aren't I always being myself? And yeah, for sure. But, being yourself is like not changing yourself to impress someone else.
0: So Bo, welcome to Girls on Film and congratulations for being our first ever male guest.
3: Appreciate it, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's an, an honor. honor.
0: <laughs> well, I bet you can imagine why we chose you because right. obviously you've made a film about a young girl yeah. which we thought was extraordinarily perceptive oh, and very you. true to life. Um, so tell us how it all came about.
3: Um, you know, I wanted to write about Anxiety, I was sort of coming to terms with my own anxiety at the time I was writing this and wanted to write about the internet and young people. I felt like sort of neither of which were being represented correctly in the way I was sort of seeing popular media. It was a few ideas that sort of came together.
0: And why did you decide to feature a young girl in particular rather than a young boy?
3: You know, it wasn't really a decision Much as much as it was just, you know, I started writing and it felt right, but, you know, as... It happened. I could then go, okay, I could step back and say, why is this happening this way? And there's, there's a few answers. I didn't want to make a nostalgic film. I didn't want the film to be a retelling of my past or my experience. I, I do feel like what kids are going through is very particular right now. So in part, it being a girl, I, I couldn't project my own experience onto her. I had to sort of walk her experience with her for the first time. And so it made me sort of humble myself to the material in a way that made it feel fresh to me. Another is that, you know, I watched hundreds of videos of kids online talking about themselves. The boys tended to talk about video games and the girls talked about their souls. So it was like, oh, well, okay. Uh, it's like <laughs> slightly, at that age at least, girls are just going a little yeah. deeper in a, in a way that I personally related to. And then the last reason is I did stand up for a long time and I talked about my anxiety and what I was feeling and it was 13-year-old girls that came up to me. Much more than men my own age or boys that age that sort of understood what I was talking about so if there was a bridge I sort of had to walk to tell the story it was built by them to me first I I felt understood by girls like Kayla before I presumed to understand them it was sort of like they, they saw themselves in my experience so I felt like I could see myself in theirs.
0: So did you speak to any of those girls that came up to you to prepare for this specifically, or did you talk to others? How did it work?
3: No, really, I mean, the real research was just watching the videos, watching videos that young girls made online about themselves, because I think it it was a much better way to research. It was a way to research without me actually being there. So um, I just took the cues from the stuff they made, and I was watching these videos that they were making, and I was like if this were a performance in a movie it would be incredible the actual real girls that are really posting this stuff are so vivid and interesting and complex and so much more complex than the characters i'm seeing in 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 film and then also when you watch these videos every video just implies this whole life behind it you know it's a 9 minute video called how to be cool or something and you're watching it and sort of <laughs> you can't help but imagine what was the week that you had that led you to want to make this video you know yeah. so and that's how the movie started. The movie started with the vlogs and actually built. Some people watch the movie and you'd think like, oh, the vlogs are the framing device for the plot. And it's kind of the other way around. It's kind of more that the her out in the world in the movie is just justifying getting back to the next vlog. For so you're me. kind
0: of peeking behind the curtain of her real life as opposed to the presented one. Yeah, but to yeah. me,
3: the vlog is the real one almost okay. to me. Like, I find that to be the most beautiful, true thing and because and uh, sometimes people think that that it's like oh these kids they're lying about themselves online they're trying to act cool when they're not it's like I, I don't think it's that simple I think that the person you hope you could maybe be is a sort of beautiful truth about yourself And especially at that age like it's very important to try out versions of yourself sort of out loud before you put them into action and I was interested in exploring that and dignifying that and saying like the performance that young people do online is not just narcissistic lies to obfuscate who they really are. Sometimes it's sort of a beautiful out loud vision boarding or something, you know, that I think is good and probably healthy. Like she's saying things out loud that I'm so happy she's saying out loud, you know, I, I, cause she, because she has these things, she, she's, it's really, it's really good to talk out loud, even if you babble, and even if you don't make any sense, and even if you sound like an idiot. It's a good thing, and I think the internet has encouraged kids to express themselves. Maybe a little too much, but, but at a certain point, it's, it's good.
0: I really like that you've got a positive approach to social media in some senses, even yeah, though your sense, film yeah. obviously does, does mm. show some of the, the perils of it as well. Um, talk to me a little bit more about the casting process, because obviously you've got an amazing star there.
3: Yeah, so you know, we started with casting Kayla. That was the of course, we were going to just build the movie around her, so we saw hundreds of kids, and Elsie was actually the second person in the room, and there was never really another choice. It was sort of like, a lot of the young actors were incredibly talented, but she was she was the only one that understood really what Kayla was, which, you know, every other kid saw that she was shy, and they'd play her as cowering in a corner. And not speaking when, and Elsie understood that being shy is actually trying to speak and not being able to. And also, Elsie's just able to bring all the chaos of what it means to be a kid to a scene. Often, young actors, the moment you say action, they go from a very complex, natural, real person to a very simplified kid actor pretending to be a kid. It's like very surreal to watch kids like pretend to be kids and it's going like you are a kid you know you don't like you don't have to like pretend to be a kid and like put on a kid voice but the world of child actors and child acting they kind of teach them to be like to be anything but themselves That's weird. you know it's, it's very strange yeah, yeah. And, and I was a young actor I mean doing theater and I I re- viscerally remember what it was like being that age and being interested in the arts and being interested in being creative so I just tried to sort of pass along what, what I would have wanted at that time.
0: It strikes me that in the complexity of the character, you're pointing out that it's there's no such thing as introversion or extroversion necessarily, that the, the truth is much more complex, right?
3: Well, I think there's certainly both. I think everyone has both, you know, to some degree. And I think part of the story is, like, what's it like to be in a culture where extroversion is required by everyone? You know, everyone has to be extroverted. But it's also situation to situation. I don't know. It's like that it's like that personality quiz they give to people that like 95% of people say is incredibly accurate and then you realize that it's the same quiz they give to everybody oh, yeah. which is like you feel really comfortable around your close friends but you feel uncomfortable in groups of strangers. It's like well everyone kind of feels that <laughs> yeah. way and you kind of realize that that there are definitely certain patterns to behavior but the line between introversion and extroversion is is definitely blurring now just because there are certain cultural requirements that in order to just enter the social field as a young person you need to be extroverted to a degree that I think was unimaginable in other generations.
0: What kind of responses have you had? Obviously congratulations you've won fantastic awards, but in terms of talking to young people that watch the films, what kind of responses have you had from boys and girls?
3: Good responses, you know, it's like, I think sometimes people around that age it, like if they are 12 or 13 it might be a little too close to home it's like I think it's a little easier for kids 14 and 15 that are even just like one year out of that to maybe look back on it but you no know, we've had really nice responses from kids that age and and uh, yeah girls and boys I think um, I hope boys are able to see themselves in Kayla as well and not just in the boys in the film I think that's a very important thing that you know isn't really talked about enough I don't think which is that like Yes, it's important that men and boys respect the specific experience of women as fundamentally unknowable to them to some degree. But also, I hope boys give themselves permission to identify with women and actually be like, oh, this story of this young woman is me. This is true to me. I am her. And not just for young men, 40-year-old men. You know, like, because everyone sees themselves in astronauts or whatever. or You know, or exactly. cowboys. You know, why can't a 13-year-old girl be a metaphor for the human condition you know it's not a genre but yeah, it's it's been it's been really nice but there's also you know parts of the story that I think I hope boys relate to as well that you know maybe they wouldn't want to admit they're relating to right. with some of the male characters and
0: yeah that's interesting it gives them a little bit of distance in a way
3: <laughs> yeah and that, that's been just in general with all the kids I think that what's been nice when hearing from kids and parents is that like watching the movie is a way to sort of safely externalize some of these conversations so you can, you know, it's the equivalent of like, uh, so dad, like my friend is having these feelings, you know what I mean? It's like a way to do that with a movie where it's like, hey, when Kayla was doing that, what did you think she should have done? Or what, you know, you know it's, it's a kind of an easier way to have those conversations, so that's been nice. And what's been really nice is hearing from like teachers, that's been really nice, teachers and educators, because they're at ground zero, you know what I mean? They, they know the stuff better than anybody.
0: Well, a lot of people I've spoken to, if they were parents, they were thinking of their children. But then a lot of people, like me, were remembering their own childhood and being teenagers, even if we didn't have social media, which we didn't. But I think maybe yeah. the issue of social media just kind of exaggerates everything and amplifies the anxiety, perhaps?
3: Definitely. And, you know, as much as I say it's a movie about the internet or whatever, it's like at a certain point you get a bunch of 13 year olds together at a pool party or whatever and it's like it, there's a timelessness to it for sure I mean your body's exploding your brain is mashed potatoes like that, you know a, a lot of the problems of, there's a timeliness sure but there's a timelessness definitely like being 13 isn't really changing I think you're exactly right It like it's the same feelings just on steroids you know it's the same sort of Everyone was worried about how they fit in and what people thought about them. But you were able to go home and escape that, and now it follows you in your pocket. And not only that, it's quantifiable. You have actual numbers to put. There's a, you can literally chart exactly how liked you are in your school. You can rank order the popularity of every kid in the school by the, oh, by their follower count. This is you know?
4: terrifying.
3: It's just true. It just is happening. You know, and and and. Because some people go like, oh, you know, they get so scared for kids. And it's like, well, the kids are dealing with it and have been dealing with it and They're already within it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, like, the least we can do is sort of catch up. And and, and that's why I, I hate when people judge the kids for it. It's like, you realize it's like the kids didn't make the phones or program <laughs> the apps, right? Like, like they, yeah. they had zero choice in any of this. Like, this culture mm-hmm. was given to them. Mm-hmm. So, it's our responsibility to... Be aware of it. And I, I think it's definitely, certainly, parents' responsibility to try to know it as as much as possible. And it's so difficult because, like, it changes so rapidly, and that's what's so hard about this stuff. Is that the things that the kids are engaged with are, are sort of changing in, the thing that your kid's obsessed with right now is obsolete in six months. Well, and I love
0: that you kind of bring that up in the film with the older kids yeah, exactly. and they're talking about a kid just a few years younger than them as if they're in an entirely different generation. Yeah, and I think it's so true to
3: a degree, you know, the sort of generational signifiers that would come around every 15 years, like, oh, I grew up with vinyl, I grew up with a Discman, you know, those are coming every six months and they really do change behavior. They really do, like, change the experience of high school or middle school or whatever. I was... You know, Twitter came around when I was 19 and if it had come around when I was 14 which is only five years ago that would have changed school for me cool. Snapchat like I didn't have that and like I mean it's a it's a service where you can you know send where kids send pictures to each other that disappear after 24 hours I mean what are kids using that for it's pretty obvious and like it's uh, it's, it's wild and, and I don't really have any answers and I actually don't think it's my job to give answers certainly now and I don't think it's our job as a culture to I think it's our job as a culture now to gather the information. You know, there's so many people waxing poetic about it and trying to analyze it, and I and I don't think we've even gathered the data to sort of have the conversation yet.
0: Very quickly before we wrap up, what are you working on next?
3: I don't know, I'm working on trying to write, and so just trying to take the time to sort of clear my head, but uh, yeah. I'm
0: Any more sure. female protagonists, or do you not, not decide yet?
3: Oh, I don't know, I mean, I happen to try to be writing something with a female protagonist right now. Yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm weirdly more often for some reason drawn to a lot of the movies I love I think just are, have women at the center of them.
0: Test the name of a couple?
3: Well like all like Amar Bergman's movies, like um Bergman used to say like this might be like actually retrograde and like not a cool thing to say, but he would always say like that he felt acting was a female profession. Right. I think there's probably something like condescending maybe embedded within that, but I kind of do believe it a little bit. I don't know. I, I just tend to really find female-driven stories to be very resonant for me for whatever reason. It might just be like my close emotional connections in my life are with my girlfriend, my mother, and my sister. You know? So that might just be why, why it works out that way. I don't know. It's probably, it's probably just very personal.
0: Well, you do it very well, so keep on. Appreciate it, thank yeah. you. <laughs> thank you for
2: coming on, girls on film. Thanks. A lot of people like call me quiet or shy or whatever, but I'm not quiet.
4: Most quiet. Kayla Day.
2: I don't talk a lot at school, but if people talk to me and stuff, they'd find out that I'm like really funny and cool and talkative. By the way, I like your shirt a lot. It's like so cool.
0: Jane, you love this film as well. I love it. I gave it five stars, and it's.
2: It's
4: going to be hard to beat my number one of the year, frankly.
0: Can you explain why you love it so much?
4: Well, I think both have said that there, the empathy of it. It's a film that is following Kayla with great love and great warmth and kindness and not judging her and not blaming anything Fair, it's not social media it's not boys it's not anything it's just an experience she's going through and I think what's amazing about it is it's completely universal you don't have to be a 13 year old girl or a girl to get this I came out of a screening with you know men of 40 and 50 going you don't get it that was me that was my experience of school and everybody found it to be so absolutely on the nose of what it's like to be uncomfortable in your skin as a teenager and to not know who you are or who you're trying to be but with that sort of Kayla seeing that through the prism of social media so she doubly doesn't know who she should be and she's looking at Snapchat and YouTube and trying to find her path through this sort of very awkward age and it's also really really funny it's hugely sort of profound but at the same time really really funny. Um, are mortifying I mean some of the scenes you will watch with your you know through your fingers well, it's so
1: exactly right and so I, I the first time I saw this I struggled with it so much and mm-hmm. I found it really uncomfortable like one of the most uncomfortable films I worse than a horror like I was yeah. literally having to kind of hide because I just couldn't bear to be reminded I was so sure that growing up my teenage years were great and I had a lovely time and seeing this film reminded me actually I didn't you know like not all the time I had great did but you know it reminded me of those times when i didn't yeah. and that was so upsetting it was like a sort of like ptsd moment mm. so i found it really horrible and then i watched it again knowing what to expect and i saw everything that you just mm. described and i absolutely agree with you about it being universal and such a brave performance from from elsie fisher I, you know i just okay. I was just blown away by how, like her, you can see in the trailer, her body. She is so sort of hunched over and so kind of ashamed of her body the whole time, but is still getting out there and putting her face on social media to kind of g
0: others up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that's the bravest thing possible. Well, I think it's very interesting because it sort of deals with the fact that when I spoke to Bo, he was saying really, there's no not necessarily anything such as extrovert or introvert, and perhaps the social media side, Jane is more the real her. It's kind of an interesting idea, isn't it? That actually she's well, so, letting that Yeah, out. I mean,
4: she has yeah. one of one of her tutorials is to sort of fake it till you make it. Just get out there and do it. And so when she goes to a party, she has to do karaoke, which I'm sure a lot of people will agree is like the worst thing you could ever be asked yeah. to do in front of cool, mean girls. <laughs> and she just sort of does it and actually enjoys it. And,
1: and, and so, we don't hear her sing, do we? No, we don't, no. Which I think was
4: yeah, a really good it's, decision. It's, it wasn't it, about whether it was But it is good about that whole thing of just do it and see how you go and you might find you enjoy it and so it's really hopeful as a film it's not sort of like kids which is you know very bleak and oh my god the ch- the kids of today it's very much the kids have the answer and they hold it in their own hands and they can find their own way um and all we have to do is be loving parents or, or if we're kids sort of you know allow our dad to give us a hug oh, occasionally like, there's a scene with the father <sighs> that is unbelievable and we'll, I was weeping yeah um Yeah, there's there's no magic bullet, and there's no absolutely there's no way to do this, as we all know. We've all been through adolescence. It's just about finding your way, but it's a it's beautifully told by this film.
1: Does it matter that it's directed by a man? I know it's an awful thing to say. I was slightly disappointed that it was, um, but you know, I think it doesn't matter because it's such a, like you say, an empathetic film. It totally gets under the skin of what it means to be a female, a girl, a teenager. You see her interacting with other girls her own age about things that aren't boys. I think there's yeah. the the most one of the most touching relationships is when she thinks that she's found a really good friend. I'm not saying whether she has or hasn't, that That wasn't a a Mm. comment on that, but just that moment of her face lighting up Mm. when she realises that there's a kindred spirit possibly out there and just that, the constant hope. Um, I think Bo Burnham does that throughout. He sort of lifts you up, drops you back down, but keeps lifting you up Mm. all the way through and so He understands the psyche, I suppose. Um, So, no, ultimately, I think it's okay. I'll forgive him. And I think she was very
4: instrumental in helping him find sort of things. I think she sort of, in the process, sort of told him, oh, no, kids don't do that. I think she was the one that actually said, you know, oh, no one does Facebook anymore. And so he put it in there, like... um, I think it's very much her film as well as his. Yeah. Did yeah. we
1: find out what the Gucci thing means? It's a
4: real thing. Kids do it.
0: What is that actually? What they said? Apparently, Apparently it was one they thing. made up. No, for it's this. a
4: thing, and she was saying it on set. Um oh, she was so actually she, He would it. say, "Are you okay with this? Is that okay?" And he, she'd go, "Yeah, Gucci." And he'd be like,
0: "Yeah, use that." I wonder how Gucci actually feel about it. Is it free marketing, or is it really not the image they're going for? <laughs> I don't know. Interesting. Mm. So, eighth grade is out Friday, 26th of April around the UK, and it's here at home. So we recommend that. Yes, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Now, as part of its year-long celebration of women in cinema. Home is doing A Women Organize Season. And the next one we'd like to discuss is going a long way back to 1957 that is The Pajama Game. It's a Doris Day vehicle, a big budget adaptation of a Broadway hit. It stars Doris Day as a union rep at a pajama factory who has a love-hate relationship with the new superintendent. Let's have a look at this fuzzy ancient trailer. <laughs> You're
2: in. The screen flashes with excitement as Warner Brothers happily lights the world of entertainment with new brilliance in the George Abbott and Stanley Donen production of The Pajama Game is the game we're in And we're proud to be in the Pajama Game We love it, we
3: can hardly wait to wait and get to work at eight Look as quite the same as the Pajama Game
0: Game. It's such an interesting choice because obviously in many ways you're kind of going oh it's really old school and old-fashioned and a little bit cheesy but actually it's about a woman that is kind of flying the flag for the unions in a factory and really trying to get justice jane what did you think of it
1: um <laughs> i'm <laughs> okay. so glad anna went to you first
3: <laughs> uh, i mean
4: it's so much of its time isn't it and you know yes you, you can commend the fact that it actually is about a woman who is the the leader of the Grievance Council and who is trying to get the 7.5% raise for the people who are working at the factory. And she is in a position of power and she does resist the man for all of a second before she tells him he loves she loves him. So... You know, it's doing all right, but it is still a 50s musical and she's still expected to be attractive and to fall over in love with him immediately. She goes on a picnic with him. Um, she's always eating an apple to show she's completely wholesome. Um, oh, is that
1: what that was? I don't know. I just thought she apple fetish. I don't, know. Fetish. It I don't so know. I don't weird. know
4: whether it's an Adam and Eve thing. I don't know <laughs> whether Doris Day just loved apples, but never knowingly without an apple in this
0: film. I hadn't noticed how much she eats apples. I actually thought it was the um, plus side, ladies, the only ones you actually see eating. And that's one of the problems I have with yes, this. this yes. Is that, you know, the, 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 the jolly large ones are the, constantly yeah. stuffing their faces and cracking and jokes. Bia. Yeah, but there's only two of them because you don't want too many. Yeah. And the rest of them yeah. are absolutely tiny and yes. sort of tottering around heels. Uh, Rihanna, what did you think?
1: Oh, oh, Anna. I thought we were <laughs> friends and then you showed me this film. And <laughs> um, I, oh, I'm not a fan of these kinds of musicals anyway, really. Um, apart from something like Seeing in the Rain, which I grew up on and loved. But I think being introduced to a film like this now is really difficult. And there's a really problematic sort of secondary relationship yes. between um, a woman and her boyfriend, which I didn't realise because there seemed to be a massive age difference initially. Didn't realise they were actually in that's, a relationship. That's the chap that was throwing the knife. The knife thrower. And the drunk lady. Um, And he's incredibly abusive all the way through. and is He gaslights to, her, basically. He's trying to...
4: Tell her she's always like right. having an affair, or you yeah. know, like you're you're flirting hot... too much. You're wearing that every time yeah. you go out with a guy. They must be having you know sex smooch, 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 whatever. Not sex. Not they didn't sex have sex in, in, their in the fifties.
1: <laughs> um, but actually, to be fair, they 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 there is a lot of that implied, yeah. isn't there? Yeah. But yeah, so he like tries to stab her. He tries to kill. Her, he throws <laughs> knives at her. Not when she's volunteered like Doris Day did, but just ad hoc. He. Fires guns and I just and I suppose be funny and that kind of um, constant like pursuing of her and she sort of got really cross with him but then. She still loves him. She still yeah. comes back to it. I just didn't understand how that was ever okay. It
0: yeah. is fascinating to look from a cultural perspective, isn't it? I mean, you know, whether or not you like the film, to think, okay, that was the diet of movies that people were being fed mm. in those times. And that goes a long way to explaining some of yeah. the kind of attitudes that... I
1: did like the union meetings in the in the kitchen,
0: though. Like, yes. kind of being
1: sat around. I kind of really loved that idea of, like, the old school unions, which were very sort of pally and sort of homegrown grassroots. And
0: the women do really
1: support each oh, other. Oh, absolutely. So that's Yeah, good. that's true. True. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah,
4: and I mean they are talking about like pay rises and and work rather than how to make the best apple pie. So mm-hmm. I mean from that point of view, she was all the apples, probably. there was no pies to be had. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, and you and you know it's it's also from a point of view of uh, cultural like this is a vehicle for Doris Day. She is undoubtedly the star of it. So from that point of view, it's it's a woman leading an entire cast and and being the major star in it. So for the 50s, that's pretty cool as well.
0: That's The Pyjama Game. It screens here at home on Sunday the 5th of May at 1pm. So you you sort of talked about women talking to each other there, Jane. We're going to move on to our regular slot, which is the Bechdel Test, pass or fail. As you may be aware, um, the Bechdel Test is a flawed but fun uh, feminist test of a film's credentials. The rules are that it has to involve two women who have names, and they talk to each other about something other than a man. My pass, I'll start with, this is um, a new film. It's called Greta. It is a Neil Jordan thriller, stars Isabelle Hubert, who plays a French woman in New York, who lures young Chloe Grace Moretz to her home with dubious intent. That's not a spoiler, because you can see that from the trailer. It's kind of kind of tawdry, lurid thriller. Mm. It makes no sense to me, this film, really. It passes because women are constantly, you know, um, sort of making polite conversation or trying to get up to no good. But it's, um, I also found it a bit troubling because I wondered whether it's written by two men. Is it a man's idea of a woman with mental illness?
4: Yeah, I mean, also the fact that she's a a mother. Is it that, you know, women who are left without their children cannot cope and go absolutely batshit um, which we know is not the case. I mean, I have a different... I, I For half of it, I thought this is rubbish. And then it took a turn where she went absolutely nuts and I thought, oh, I'm enjoying this because it knows it's stupid.
1: Mm. And
4: it's so deliciously over the top that I'm just going to enjoy it as a sort of camp almost thriller.
0: She's very glamorous. She's very um, She's great though she? I mean yeah, it, it is It's, a enter- it's entertaining It's Yes yes But Brianna, I think you were with me In the sort of like Oh I thought it was Absolute
1: crap as well yeah. but,
0: um, <laughs> but what I did love about it Was that there was No
1: sort of Um like this, I don't, I don't really want to give spoilers or anything, obviously for people who still might want to see it after this glowing <laughs> review. Um, but a, I love Chloe Grace Moretz, but I, I just didn't understand. She didn't do it for me in this film at all. Micah Monroe on the other hand, who plays her mm. flatmate, mm. was, I think, fantastic because you sort of think that she's one thing in this, and you sort of write her off at the very beginning, and then actually, as she kind of comes through, she's the one that's making complete sense. She essentially takes like the sort of boyfriend role, yeah, um, that's yeah. and yeah. it was really lovely to yeah. have that coming from the from the mouth of a woman and it was common sense yeah. and she was doing all the right things saying all the right things like you would you know like when you're shouting at a horror film and you're going why are you doing that yeah. that was my come right why don't
0: you get a restraining order yeah exactly yeah, really sensible actually ring the police yeah. <laughs> you know? so it, it actually weirdly progressive so, on paper yeah but very badly executed really weirdly yeah. executed yeah. I mean you can yeah. drive
4: trucks through plot holes in yeah. this yeah. but I think you're right
0: yeah. I think
1: Neil Jordan was just like yeah it was silly it yeah. was silly Fair and enough. that's okay it's a silly film and you're yeah. like okay fine if you're not going to take it seriously then that's Absolutely fine, yeah. actually. And you can enjoy it yeah. as a silly vehicle for um, this fabulous woman, Isabel Bear.
0: We're going to go back to the pass for Jane's
1: pass.
4: It sort of scrapes a pass, but it's Dirty Dancing, which I don't oh, know I love that anyone else I love enjoys this wonder from the <laughs> 1980s. <laughs> Give us
0: a cheer if you like Dirty Dancing. <laughs> <Woo! Yes! laughs>
4: um, so, I mean, it, on paper, this looks rubbish because this is like young sweet girl goes off to her summer camp and... Hot, hunky, older guy seduces her. But actually, I sort of feel like she does actually talk to her mother and her sister about other things like beige iridescent lipstick, for one. (laughs) And to Penny, the dance instructor, you know, they talk about being in the Rockettes, what it's like to come from the wrong side of the tracks, how it's not as glamorous as she thinks being a dancer. So it does pass on that. And also, I just think it's about a young woman who already had agency. She already planned to go to Mm -hmm. college. She was going to go to Mount Holyoke and study politics. She didn't need this bloke to come along, but he helped her sort of find her own route. And let's face it, she's going to go to Mount Holyoke. She's never seeing him again. She's going (laughs) to go on. She's probably going to be a professor or something. She's fine. And she's having this lovely summer. And who wouldn't want that before they go to uni?
1: I absolutely agree. And yeah. I think it's so brilliant that evocative sort of first love, lust for it. Like, really taps yeah. into like what it is yes. to lust after someone and then to have that surprisingly return. Yeah. And how exciting that is. And especially when it's Patrick Swayze. That was Jane's past. It's she also dancing. a good mantra to live by a feminist
4: mantra that nobody puts baby in the corner. Yeah. Like, just don't yeah, exactly. be put in the corner. Yeah.
0: Just pretty Speak simple. Speak up. Yeah. Speak up women. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what we're here for. Brianna, top that. What's your past? Oh.
1: Um, my I love my pass is Ben Deli Beckham oh look everyone's face is lit up when I said that's really lovely it, it, this holds like such a special place in my heart because seeing an Indian woman on screen I'm half Punjabi um, Jess is Punjabi in the film so seeing her growing up a Man United football fan as I was as well growing up having you know like the whole sari um, football shirt thing I was such a tombo, I was always in my Man U kit and so this just spoke to me I, on so many levels and seeing her relationship, I mean, okay, it's not like the best, like the most well acted film of all time, Kira Knightley. Uh, you might love her, you might hate her. She's not great in this, but she was, you know, finding her feet, I guess. But just, you know, they, they talk constantly about football. They also talk about their coach Joe because who wouldn't although watching it back now it's so weird because he's just got like really gross little night, stra- like, like sort of 90s hair like oh, yeah. yeah like gel and everything but it's just it's a really wonderful celebration of what women can achieve and the fact that she has to kind of keep pushing boundaries of like her culture of her sex you know her parents want her to settle down find a man go to college become a doctor become a lawyer become an accountant because that's what you have to do if you're Indian and also like her body image you know she has this scar on her leg as well Um, which she's kind of quite ashamed of but kind of gets over that and even her mother kinda of, kind of has taught her to be ashamed of it and of showing off her body. But she's showing off her body in is in just such a fabulous way. You know, you see her muscles, you see her strength. And I thought it was so empowering and so much fun. And there was, it was such a joyous film. Great
0: um, choice. Yeah. I must say, yeah, I watched it again quite recently and I agree with you. It's very progressive actually. Yeah. Um Child and is I mean, yeah. 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 And very uplifting and lovely. Yeah. yeah. But let's move on to Fails, which we'll move through rather quicker. Mine is is Passengers, uh, the Jennifer Lawrence Mm. starrer. Mmm. I am going to do a mild spoiler here because... It's not a great film, and I think the, sport, the the way we talk about the Bechdel test is going to involve talking about the spoilers. So I hope nobody minds this, but many it's a of public you public service, yeah, thing it you're doing. Is, yeah, is a public service. You'll never get the two hours. So back. this is Morton Tildum's romantic and in inverted commas sci-fi set on a spaceship. Uh, Chris Pratt, okay, wakes up from hibernation while being transported to another pallet with uh, five thousand other passengers. They're meant to be in hibernation for over a hundred years. He accidentally wakes up gets a bit bored, spots a hottie in the other pod, Jennifer Lawrence, and goes, "Oh, I think I'll wake her up and pretend I haven't woken her up and say it was an accident, and then see if she falls for me. What do you think happens? I mean, come on. And obviously, mm. this is not going to pass the Bechdel test because well, there's like three characters. He's just an intergalactic stalker. Yeah. But worse than
1: that, it's like he, he's giving her a death sentence, yes. right? Yeah, he's, like, he's very, it's
0: hugely selfish yeah. as well as creepy. And actually many elements of this film I thought were quite engaging It could have been a really interesting sci-fi If they had explored that whole dilemma At the heart of it But they absolutely Balls out of it Yeah
1: mm. I just think Jennifer Lawrence uh, For all her kind of feminist chat Actually <laughs> isn't a great feminist If I'm Red honest. Sparrow
0: Red Sparrow, <laughs> Red <laughs> Sparrow. <laughs> To be discussed in the next episode oh, Of Girls on Film So listening okay. to that Good yes. point point. Yeah. And I think that is a very interesting point We'll pick up in the next episode mm. Yes Jennifer Lawrence Feminist or not. Good question. Invite like <laughs> her in. Yes, really what she I'm says. sure she'd love to come and discuss that. Um Jane, what's your fail? Uh Thor Ragnarok.
4: Like two superb women, Valkyrie and Hera, there they are. But they're doing it entirely on their own. They don't talk to each other or any other women throughout mm. the film. I mean, obviously they are kick-ass and amazing, and this is a great film mm. for entertainment, but for Bechdel it doesn't work at all. Yeah,
1: agreed. Rihanna,
0: what's your fail?
1: My fail is Whiplash, directed by Damien Chazelle. Um, I love Damien Chazelle so much. I love Whiplash so much. I just think it's incredible. The editing is phenomenal. And the performances, J.K. Simmons and Miles Teller are both sort of completely stand out. But there is like one named female in the whole film, Nicole, who plays Miles Teller's girlfriend. And he goes on a date with her and then bins her off really quickly. And is just like, oh, my ambition is way more important than you which is absolutely fair enough but you know cotton wallet a little bit he kind of he has no sort of empathy outside his own sort of drive and that's obviously a very good point uh that she gets no sort of agency in this she doesn't even get her explosive fuck you you know it's just a Ugh, kind of crying moment and I found that really frustrating um, I also feel like Damien Chazelle as much as I love him does not direct women particularly well yeah. his films do not really pass
0: the test it's another great discussion topic oh, yes. yes Damien Chazelle yeah. feminist or not feminist or not yes. I think I feel like a whole <laughs> series coming on What Brilliant. not even La La Land
1: <laughs> well it's a, it's a beautiful film I love La La Land but it's and it's about her career but you you don't No, it's about his career, let's face it. You don't really see her talking to any other women. There's the song at the beginning, but that's kind of it.
0: And it's also all about his own sort of tortured jazz persona, Mm. isn't it? Anyway, why don't we see what the audience have to say about all these topics and more. The microphones are roving. Please put your hand up and they will come over to you. Uh,
1: Do you think that films directed by women are visually different than films directed by men in the way like they frame men and women
0: that's a really good question i think that the female gaze has been spoken about on the male gaze and um obviously it depends on the women. i mean what do we think about i think i think there are some great examples of times when you think you know dirty god's actually one of them the sasha Pollock film where you just think i don't think a man would have framed it that way because we come from our own unique experience and that includes our gender what do we think
1: I think that's absolutely fair enough I really enjoy watching sex scenes directed by women because they do feel so much more realistic from my perspective even if it's voyeuristic I feel like it's I, you know women are incredibly sexy and we need to be seen like that on screen but seen from the way that we want to be shot not from the way that a man thinks we should be shot with like a sort of side boob or you know if it's a PG <laughs> or whatever you know and or having sex with our bra on or it's like we're sort of taught to be ashamed of our bodies and then to be really explicit about our bodies and there's no sort of real between, whereas I think female filmmakers are quite good at doing that in-between bit, you know, like thinking about awkward sex scenes as well, and like Greta Gerwig and, and Lady Bird. I mm. think that's a really lovely example of how to sort of film sex as sort of awkward but quite fun. And I think the fun is lost in a lot of sex scenes. Men don't do fun sex scenes so much as women do. I think that's a really interesting point. Yeah, yeah. great question. Thank you. Also, I'm really sorry if we're always bringing it back to sex. I
0: know that it was yeah. I, you, you always do, Rihanna. That's, that's why. That's so why I heard sorry. you. For. That's fine. <laughs> Um, so
1: I think you touched on it But it kind of follows on from the other question About um, sort of Different gazes It was that film where she's pretending to be the cat I can't remember what it's called Madeline's Madeline You said it's it's particularly shocking or uncomfortable When the mother walks in And they're all watching the porn And you kind of think about that How taboo it is thinking about girls watching porn And if that had been just a mother Walking on a, on a bunch of guys watching porn That's not like shocking that's American pie mm, like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I kind of my question really is it's like what kind of other taboos surrounding women do you want explored in like films upcoming and
4: um, there's a really good film coming out called Booksmart that's directed by Olivia Wilde and her her female gaze on teenage girls is is very specific um, but in that film they discuss well wanking off and what how they do it what they use and it's not at all for sort of titillation, it's just how girls do actually talk and discuss things and take the piss out of each other, and so that's something I think we don't, we never really see women masturbating in film realistically. Shape of Water sort
0: of rather coyly sort of touched yeah. on it, but yeah, yeah, this, this is much more, explicit and that was, but that was very sort of, oh, I'm, I'm really beautiful in a bar, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. it's very ideal, yeah, sort of, yeah, people
1: do not look necessarily beautiful you, when yeah, they're and, masturbating. Uh, and it, it, yeah, because they're not thinking about someone looking but at them it, But it's also
4: not sort of addressed in cinema as something that mm-hmm. Is just what people do What women do as much as men And you know on a Monday night You know in jogging bottoms or whatever. It's not necessarily glistening And Sharon Stone in the bath In yes. Sliver yeah. Without any hands weirdly <laughs> um, so, so yeah I think that's something that, that we don't see enough of And that maybe female directors do get and do show properly.
1: Do you want a film that I saw, um, Skate Kitchen? Do you see this? Oh, yeah, I loved it. Uh, it was about female skateboarders and it's almost like a documentary. It's not mm-hmm. quite, but it's filmed and it was, you know, a real group of. That's discussed in the last episode of Girls of, in Film, in fact. Oh, yeah. I thought that was a really lovely exploration of uh, women in a predominantly male space and completely owning it and just seeing that representation I thought was really important. And I think so often in sports, actually, it's very rare to see a really believable film about Mm. females in sports unless it's i don't know something ice skating i was just gonna say ice skating i Tonya. -Tonya, exactly that was the one thing that came to Mm. mind a lot of them are very singular kind of seeing a kind of group a team like bendy like beckham like having that sort of team thing as women you don't really see them women are always singled out you know they have to be alone they have to be individual they have to be fighting against the system the underdog so to have a sort of a pack of women (laughs) that doesn't get explored enough i don't think on screen
0: I love this question I feel like we could just have 10 episodes out of this one but yeah I think a lot of it is actually due with sexuality because we've seen so much about male sexuality and you know menstruation women periods mm-hmm. I know what a short film about periods won an Oscar which is yeah. fantastic but I think maybe um, the adaptation of Catherine Moran's book How to Build a Girl could be one to look out for on all these kind of mm-hmm. levels so I hope things are shifting um, but do you know what we've had the best time with you today and we've got a treat for everyone in the room and everyone listening we've teamed up with Mubi to give a month of curated films to stream Plus four free Handpicked cinema tickets On Movie Go So you know Movie have this thing Where you can watch Great movies online But they also Choose a film each week You pick a cinema on time And you take your code And you watch the film For free in the cinema So they did Border recently That was a brilliant one And they've got some Other good stuff Coming up including Eighth grade what, And yeah. everyone We could all do that Yeah you can sign up To movie Mubi, Register movie.com For girls on film And then Not only do you get To watch stuff online You get to go to cinema For pretty much a good movie Amazing boom Fantastic. right enjoy that i would like to thank rihanna dylan jane crowther thank you both very very much for thank joining you. me thank you um home for having us today you've been legendary and it's been such a joy to have your participation today and your smiling faces and your intelligent questions thank you very much thank you all for being girls on film
1: Yay. thank you
0: Thanks for listening. Our next episode comes from the Albright Club in Mayfair, London, and will feature the director, Emma Asante, as well as the critics, Wendy Lloyd and Angie Erigo. We'll also be back at home in Manchester on June the 11th. You can go to homemcr.org to get tickets. Do join us. We'd love to see you there. Girls on Film is an HLA production produced by Hedda Archbold and Jane Long. Gucci!